Hi, and welcome to Making Waves, a Mormon feminist podcast. I'm your host, Alicia, and this is where we talk about women's issues in the church. Let's get started. Welcome to the episode. I'm so excited to have Jenny McKay with me today. Welcome, Jenny. Hello, I'm excited to be here. Great to have you. So maybe just introduce yourself a bit. Okay. Well, my name is Jenny McKay. I am from Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I am a voice teacher and life coach and a real estate appraiser, just sort of a collector of careers. (laughs) And um, yeah, I met Alicia through through a networking group. And then we caught up later and we started talking about some church things. And so um, you said you wanted me to talk about my relationship with the church, right? Yes. Yes. So my current relationship with the church is I've left, I left about a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, and it's, it was like a long, it was a years, years long process of, um, getting to that point. Um, but I specifically was diagnosed early on in that journey with scrupulosity, which is a form of um, OCD that is triggered by religious things and morality. Mm. And so it's like obsessive thoughts about anything in religion could be worthiness, could be, um, rule following could be anything. And so I, my relationship with the church since about 2011 has been pretty rocky because of that. Yes. So, so that's what led me to this point right now. Yes. I'm so glad you, told me what that term is. Cause I remember when you mentioned it to me, I was like, wait, there's a name for this. Cause I feel like there are a number of us who struggle with something similar. I wonder sometimes if I do and to just have a name for it just helps you feel like validated for some of those feelings, yeah. you know? So you said it's called scrupulosity. Yeah. Scrupulosity. Scrupulosity. Thank you. See, I don't yeah. even know how to pronounce it. It's that new. No, you're good. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually so very, it's anxiety and ADD, like OCD linked to religious things. Yeah. Okay. So like, um, I don't know the way I like to think of it since it's a type of OCD, like we often think of OCD and of like compulsively checking the stove to make sure it's off. Yeah. And so I like to think of it with scrupulosity. It's like compulsively checking, um, am I obeying all the rules compulsively Mm. checking? Am I worthy? Um, or like if you sin feeling like you have to compulsively confess that sin, no matter how big or how small. Um, and, and so for me specifically, the most, my most obsessive thoughts came like were associated with my testimony. Mm. There was some like worthiness and rule following obviously, but the thing that came back and was really persistent for me was like asking if things were true and needing to be a hundred percent sure or yeah I just began doubting and then even if I found answers during the day it was like starting at ground zero again the next day oh that's exhausting so, Jenny yeah and especially as a missionary it was like compulsively checking my stove like hundreds of times a day so it was just really an exhausting thing especially at the very beginning I bet I bet so when did you start noticing that like you were struggling with this type of anxiety 
Um, well, I was like diagnosed mid-mission with a therapist mm. there. Um, but I noticed it. Um, like I don't remember really experiencing lots of severe anxiety or depression before this. Oh, before you I, yeah, before my mission. But like it was when I was preparing to go through the temple um, in anticipation of receiving my mission call that like my first like really big breakdown to deal with the church happened. Oh. And then I had my first panic attack in the temple the first time I went through. You are kidding me. Yeah. And so it was just a really not great experience. Oh, I'm and so sorry. That's got to be so traumatizing. Yeah, it was really traumatizing. Thanks for acknowledging that. Oh, um, yeah. I feel like I've had a lot of time to heal and, um, um, and before I left recovered a lot of that relationship with the temple. Um, that's awesome. But still like, it's still like, like emotions are still like coming up for me, like thinking about it. It was just a really scary day for me, but like as any good, good LDS um, female, I was really good at like putting on a show, even though I was struggling mm-hmm. through the whole thing. Right. The people that came to support me were like, wow, she's just glowing. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> like I'm really good at this. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. We are so then, good at it and yeah. it's terrible, but it's crazy that we're so good at that. Yeah. It's terrible that we have to be good at it. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I'm really grateful that you're open to talking about this. I know it's super vulnerable and I'm so like, like I said before, I told you, I think so many women need to hear your story and stories like yours to just feel like validated and normal and feel like there's a tribe, you know, and there's Mm -hmm. people who are going through similar things and you're not alone. I just think there's power in that. Well, uh, ever since my mission, it's always been very important for me. And I'm, I'm not a shy person to begin with, but it's been important mm-hmm. for me to share um, that in hopes that I can help someone else not feel alone um, and okay. not, not feel like it's abnormal and, and just really acknowledging um, the difficulties of mental health yeah. in the church. So hundred yeah. percent, we need to talk way more about mental health, especially in women in the church. Totally. So when you felt like you were able to name this anxiety and recognize what helped you like to heal and recover and learn to live with this anxiety? Mm, Well, a lot of things helped like in the mission field, they gave me medication and I got to have like six appointments with a therapist. And that was really helpful. But in the mission field in particular, the thing that helped the most was honestly, this sounds counterintuitive, but like being okay with breaking the rules, Yeah, which which was like not, it didn't mean I was like going out to a movie every day. It just meant that I was doing my best to like not get mad at myself when I stayed in my bed till 6.35 a.m. instead of 6.30 a.m. Oh my gosh. Or like like, nothing, (laughs) right? but oh, so hard. Yeah. And so just uh, on the mission field, there are so many rules. So there are so many opportunities to break rules and to be like, I'm staying at a member's house for more than an hour and this is okay. And I'm not dying and I have not been struck down. (laughs) And, And so just starting with little things like that 
where it was really good. But then after coming home from my mission, really um, therapy is the biggest yeah. thing for me. Yeah. Um, and ultimately like the anxiety was so persistent or like I, I was just tired of experiencing the triggers and having to work through it that I, I did leave. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm the best person to ask for like, how do you stay in the church and deal with these things? No, no, because you're I didn't. <laughs> but, sure. But I think it's important to hear your perspective for sure. I mean, I think whether you stay or you leave, you've got to do what helps you. And I love that you said like the triggers were, I mean, it's terrible that you had to say that, but I love that you emphasized like into words that triggers were just so much. Do you yeah. feel like your anxiety changed when you did leave? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because I, my biggest thing was that I was just worried if I knew it was true over and over again. And, mm -hmm. and even though I tried for like a really long time to be the poster child of not knowing, but still doing and still yeah. staying commit, committed like I tried for a really long time to be that kind of poster child and um even so after it just became like really exhausting and like I bet I, I, when it when church is that anxiety filling and and you start noticing I started noticing lots of like trigger words like mm -hmm. any sort of should or must or yes thank you for or, saying that yeah like after being in therapy like you really I really gained an eye for like like shame like I could feel shame like enter a room with someone's statement Ooh. and so I was just like it would just get really overwhelming and so once I once I left all, lots of those triggers left as well actually yeah. like all of them because I didn't feel this pressure to know like oh, do I know what they're saying at the pulpit? Do, am I reading my scriptures every day? Do I feel good when I'm reading my scriptures? Mm. Do I know that these scriptures are true? Like those went away because the pressure to read them and to show up and to, to do the things that Mormons do. Right. That just went away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That is so, once again, thank you for being so vulnerable. This is so helpful to hear your perspective. Do you feel, how do you feel like your relationship with God has changed since leaving? And we, just for the audience to know, we did discuss these questions before. So these are personal, but you're so awesome to be open about discussing them. Yeah. So um, I think after big events like that, like initially, like I pushed away a lot. Like I remember when I got home from my mission, like I didn't probably read scriptures for a long time because I had felt such pressure to read them. Right. And so after leaving, I felt, I felt initially like I needed to find another church. Cause if I was going to be, I wanted to have a good reason to leave. Like if I was going to leave, I didn't want to be angry about it. I just wanted yeah. to find a better place. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. But ultimately I just realized that I needed to embrace like the mystery of God because I was just looking for like the surety of God for so long and mm. seeking that and trying to find that testimony I guess um and yeah. so now my relationship with God is just like really leaning into the mystery Love of it all of and like not putting pressure on myself to define what God is yeah. I kind of 
subscribe. I don't know if you know The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I don't. I've got to I highly that. recommend that book, but she she talks about God a lot through the book, but in the beginning of the book she talks about God, G O D, meaning good orderly direction. Mm. And for me that's God. Like sometimes I pray and it's heavenly father, or heavenly mother. Sometimes it's nature. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the universe or sometimes it's just my creative flow and inspiration. And yeah. um, we don't, I don't feel a need to define God to find meaning in God. Yes. So I, that is so beautiful. How you said you've leaned into the mystery of God. Yeah. That is just powerful. We don't, we don't use words like that in our culture very often, but yeah. it is so, um, it's beautiful. It rings true to me. Yeah. I, it, I realized like, and as I was leaving, I was, uh, with my therapist, like, I just realized I really valued mystery. And mm. even though it, in the doctrine, it is pretty valuable in our, in the Mormon culture, um, it's not as valuable right? Because yeah. we're always trying to find to know without a shadow of a doubt. So right. it was important to me to, to keep mystery in my relationship with God so that I had flexibility to believe and not believe Yeah, coming, like go with the flow of what I needed. Yeah. I really love that. I think whether people decide to stay or go, just embracing that attitude of leaning into mm -hmm. the mystery of God. I think that's powerful because it suddenly it becomes about our inner voice yeah. and what our inner voice is telling us and our connection with God so personally yeah so not worrying about all the other things and all the other people and all the other pressures yeah yeah and I I want to point out like I I feel this way about the church I didn't feel like it allowed for much um for much mystery but when I discussed it with my mom um she was like, I feel like there's mystery everywhere. And we actually got into a couple like heated arguments about it. Oh, and I'm really? like, there is not. And, and so I think there is room for mystery in the church and it is possible to, to sense that and feel that. Yeah. Um, I, I just didn't, I couldn't figure it out for me. So no. <laughs> that's possible. Yeah. Well, and I think it's definitely hard a hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I guess my hope for women in the church is that I wish we could find that mystery in church so that, you know, there wasn't this conflict of like having to have this huge shift and change. And like, I wish we could embrace that more, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what do you feel are some of the women's issues you could see being improved in the church and maybe as it relates to anxiety or anything as far as women's issues? Yeah, I think just like, have as many women as you have men in the rooms where it happens. Amen. Like, like just, just having representation and, um, giving them leadership roles and not, I'm not necessarily saying we need the priesthood or anything right. like that, but I mean, I'm also not saying not to do that, but I think that, um, right. I think, just having women in the room. Like my friend was just in a ward council and, sh and she wasn't the only woman invited, but she was the only woman in that space um, where they were making decisions that day. Like there are other women invited, but like that, that ever happens is, is um, like 
I don't know. That's worrisome to me. It is. Um, it yeah. Is me too. A hundred percent. I wish that women that were in leader that are in leadership positions, I wish they didn't feel so much pressure to ask permission before they made decisions for the groups that they lead. Um, totally. Yeah. And I, I think the other women's issue is just I, along with that is just being recognizing that women and men have the equal opportunity to revelation. We are, our religion, we value revelation and that personal guidance mm -hmm. and decision-making. And, um, and I don't, I think women doubt it more than men Totally, and, and also have this limiting belief that if they don't have the priesthood, they have to seek permission from someone who does. Absolutely. And, and there are probably times where yes, permission is needed, but most of the time, I think that empowering women to just make decisions for the groups that they are supervising is would be so powerful for the church. Oh, yes. Amen to all of that girl. I totally agree. And, you know, I discussed this with some of my close friends who feel similarly to me and we've all kind of agreed, like something change is coming. Like we could feel, we can feel like there's something there. Um, mm -hmm. Change has got to come eventually. Right. Like we can't yeah. just keep going the way we've been going with women in the church. And yeah. so I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful that like we can do better in the church. Um, but as we know, change just takes a long time in the church. <laughs> it just takes a long time because uh, people are in leadership positions for so long. Right, right. <laughs> but um, I mean, I think the more we talk about these things, and even if they're uncomfortable, and even if not everyone sees what we, what we personally <laughs> see, it's okay as long as we can like be open about it and sit with it, mm -hmm. you know? I think a lot of times in our culture, we're afraid to sit with things because you were saying like, there's that pressure for a surety. Like there's that cultural mm -hmm. pressure to be like, you have to know things you have to like, everything's kind of black and white, but there, in reality, I don't think that's how God works personally. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, that's why he gave us intelligence, you know, so that we can yeah. figure things out and struggle and yeah, absolutely. We, we don't, I think we claim to know more about how God works than we do. And like, we, there's so much, there, there is so much mystery. We don't know all the answers. And yeah. so I think embracing that sitting in the paradox yeah. of like, it's all okay. the mess is yeah. so important. Sitting in the mess. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. that. Well, and I can hear that art side of you coming out because I know you're an artist, yeah. but yeah. just that beauty of like, um, sitting in the, in the mess and sitting in the, mm -hmm unknown. I, I think that's beautiful. Um, why do you think people are so afraid of the word feminist in the church? I'm finding that so much still. Yeah. You know, I don't associate with many, um, non-feminists, so <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not sure. I feel like Good I for you, know. girl. <laughs> but, well, and not, not that, not out of like putting a barrier up to them. I just, my closest friends are all think pretty similarly. Um, yeah. I think, I don't know, a feminist, for me, the only reasons I can think of is like, um, 
they assume that being a feminist in the church or a Mormon feminist means that we want the priesthood now. Yeah. Sort of thing. Or um, most of my feminist friends are are very outspoken. And um, I don't know, and myself included. And I just remember whenever I would disagree with someone or, or call out the shame in, in a Sunday school lesson or a Relief Society, people would be like, I'm so sorry for offending you. I'm like, I'm not offended. I just am trying to like point out unhealthy narratives. And so I think often critique feels scary for people. They feel like they don't want to be wrong, right? We want to be right. And so I think any critique in any form can feel scary. For sure. Yeah, definitely. What do you, what support do you wish you could have had in the church? I mean, you talked about, you did get some support as far as some therapy on your mission and, but what do you wish could have been more? Like what more do you wish you could have had? You know, like hindsight is 2020. So looking back, there were so many priesthood leaders, like beginning with the, the bishop who interviewed me for my temple recommend where I had like my first breakdown to like my bishop that was preparing me for my mission to the stake president, to like two mission presidents. There were like so many points along the way that, um, that I did sometimes get some support, but most often felt really like the council was not helpful and so when you ask this question I'm like I don't know I felt I don't know if I needed support from them but like honestly just like more training for these ecclesiastical leaders that are businessmen right that that are not that are not trained counselors like I know and I knew then, and I know now that they were just doing their best. Yeah. They're all doing their best. Right. But like when put in these situations, they're just not trained enough to helpfully and healthfully like help people through something like what I went through. Right. Right. Well, and sometimes in their effort to help, do you, did you find that I know I found before and I've had friends find in their effort to help, they actually give you advice that hinders you in the healing process and hinders you on the path you need. Yeah. Yeah, I I had one mission president that I was like, I just feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm not enough. I'm not doing a good job. And he said, well, I'll pray that you do better. And then, and then at that point, like, it wasn't even that bad. There are mission presidents that have done much worse, but at that point I was just like, you know, I, I don't, I can't trust you with this problem I have anymore. And, yeah. and so, so he was doing his best yeah. and, and it, and it made it worse. Yeah. And so, right. Yeah. Right. Well, and sometimes when I've brought this up to, um, people in the church, other women who maybe don't feel the same way, which is totally fine. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard like, well, we're, we're imperfect people in this church and which I totally get. And I am the first to admit mm-hmm. that I have offended people. And I, you know, but I also think if we dismiss problems with that statement, we're missing out on an opportunity to make things better. Yeah. You know, maybe just you talking just makes me think like, 
this goes back to mystery. Like if we just were less confident in knowing everything because we had the priesthood or have revelation or, or are in the true church, perhaps there would be more curiosity when these problems would come into our laps. Mm -hmm. And perhaps we could ask more questions and be like, well, I actually don't know how to help you best. Let me find someone who might, or let me counsel with someone who might, rather than being like, I am confident because I have the priesthood of God and I know everything now. Right. Being, once again, being comfortable in the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm sure if you were to have felt that even having one person say to you, I am so sorry for what you're going through. I have no idea. Let's try Mm -hmm. to find some resources to help you or let's, you know, I bet that would have made a difference. And to be fair, I did have, I did have one priesthood leader who was excellent at that. So I don't want to discount that there wasn't someone that, uh, but it was a gift that he had. And it's sort of like what they call Bishop roulette, right? It was just like Bishop roulette. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like I I won, I won that day. I won the lottery that day, but then the next month it wasn't as good. Yeah. Yeah. So he was able to say, let's something similar, like let's find help for you. Yeah. That's awesome that he was able to, we need more of that. Right. Yes. What advice do you have to those of us who struggle with perfectionism and anxiety in the church? Beyond just like breaking rules, which was my first idea, <laughs> um, was hey, because I'm all about rule breaking, yeah. girl. <laughs> yes, I mean I am too, and I, I'm not meaning like let's go break the word of wisdom or anything, right. but right. just like realizing when you miss sacrament meeting or little things that just right. might heal your perfectionist tendencies a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think also trying to eliminate the word should or must from our vocabulary. Mm. Um, I think that is a good start. And I think just therapy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just think that even though perfectionism isn't necessarily a central point of the doctrine, it is a, it just feels like it infiltrates everything. And so if there is anyone that has become, has it lives in the church unscathed from perfectionism. I want, you need to have them on this podcast right? so that they can teach us. Tell us the magic bullet, please. Yeah. Yes. But if not, like, if you do feel that perfectionist tendency, I think just giving yourself so much grace mm. and, and yeah. really trying to learn what that word means. Yeah. I love that. Well, and I didn't, um, ask you this question ahead of time, but do you think, um, it matters whether you receive therapy from someone who's in the church or out of the church, or does that play a role at all? Do you, have you found? Um, I have found that therapists, like my first really helpful therapist, um, was LDS. So it was nice to have someone, someone I knew understood, Mm -hmm. but also, I think from what I've gathered from lots of people in faith journey groups online and things like that, I think someone that's not a member, it's nice to have someone that's an outside perspective that doesn't feel biased. Yeah. 
Oh, that makes sense. Just so, so my, perspective. my, yeah, my most recent therapist of the last couple of years has not, is not a member. And that's been very helpful for me. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and I think that's important to keep in mind, you know, some, mm-hmm. some things might be more triggering, some things might, you know, hinder the growth process or, you know, yeah. Well, that this has been so helpful and I really appreciate you being honest with your story and yeah, I don't know how else to be. So that takes a lot of courage though. And (laughs) I'm hopeful that like, the more we talk about hard issues, the more we feel, like I said, not alone and that there's a tribe out there and, you know, and that there's room for change and that we can be hopeful that change for good can come. Yeah. Well, I hope, yes, I I hope that this finds at least one person that might be struggling and know that they're not alone. Yes. Well, did you want to add anything else before we close the episode? No. Okay. Awesome. I feel good. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jenny. And I wish you all the best and thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on Making Waves podcast. Talk to you next time.